<laughs> right. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Would you join me in the prayer for illumination in your bulletin or on the wall? Almighty God, we come to you knowing that you are always doing a new and unexpected thing in our lives and in the world. Open our hearts through your word to see others as you see them, to serve others as you would serve them, and to trust you in all our circumstances. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Spies sent to, Z to Jericho. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim to as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the whole land. But the woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. She had, however, brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that dread of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and that what you did to two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully than you when the Lord gives us the land. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Diana. We are uh, beginning our second week in our sermon series, Heroes of Our Faith. Last week we spoke uh, and learned about Deborah and her leading of God's people during a time of crisis. Today, we're spending time in the story of Rahab, looking at her heroic actions. Rahab was bold in her action of hiding and saving the spies that were sent forward to, uh, to survey the land. 
What does it mean to be bold? I looked up the definition of boldness in the dictionary. According to it, boldness is defined as not hesitating or being fearful in the face of actual or perceived danger. To be courageous and daring, acting beyond the usual limitations of conventional thought or action. Rahab acts boldly in our word this morning. We read that she hid the spies, these two men of God, these people of God, and of course she would want to hide them, yes? As we read, they're, they're the good guys after all. Or are they? Did she know? What did she think? Are these two spies the good guys in the eyes of Rahab's people? Remember, Rahab and her family and the people of this town are not Israelites, in fact, they are in fear of losing their land and their place to these people of God. So let's, let's back up a little bit and look at a little background of our story. At this point in the scripture, Moses has died. Joshua is now leading the Israelites into the promised land. They'll have wandered and wandered and wandered and soon, very soon, they will reap the reward as they enter into the land that has been promised to them by God. Joshua sent these two spies ahead of the Israelite army to investigate the city before the great battle of Jericho. So these were enemy spies to Rahab's people. These enemy spies were entering the city on a mission to aid the army of Israel. They're hoping to gain information that will help them in the battle. So Rahab receives these two spies into her home. Her home was one that received travelers. Some scholars say she owned a tavern. Some said that she uh, had a more illicit activity happening in her home. But either way, it wasn't odd that visitors came to her home. So they, they came and they stayed, and the king and his officials found out that these two particular visitors were there, and the king was not pleased. In fact, he sent orders that these two men be brought out. The king's order said, hand them over. They've been sent to search out the whole land. They are enemies and spies, and he orders them to be handed over. Now, knowing all that, put yourself in Rahab's place. She's going about her business, whatever that may have been. These two men come to her house. It's obvious they're not from here. It's obvious they're not from Jericho. In fact, they are sent by the enemy of her people. And these two men come with a reputation, not necessarily their own reputation, but God's reputation. And she knows, and her people know, the great reputation that God has for the things God has done for these men and for the other people of Israel. She knows that God split the Red Sea and allowed them to escape from Egypt. She knows that God has been faithful to them, kept them safe in the wilderness, that there have been military victories for God's people, and now here they are at her door, and they're hiding in her home. This could be seen as a sleeping with the enemy kind of situation. And then there's a knock at the door, 
and it is demanded that she turn these two men over to the king's men. Her king's men are saying, give up these two spies. And as we read in the story, we think of her being brave for hiding these men of God. But in the moment, she's hiding the enemy of her people, and she didn't understand that this God could be her God too. She didn't fully understand that this God wanted to protect her and love her and guide her. She just knew she wasn't one of this God's people. There was so much that she didn't understand. It's so easy for us to sit on this side of the story, on this side of the text, and say, well, she was being brave and bold and hiding God's people, and I would do the same thing. It's so easy for us to say that we would hide God's soldiers. But I wonder, I wonder if I would. I wonder if you would, having only the information that she had. She didn't have it all. We like to have the information. We like to see the big picture and our place in it. She didn't have the assurance of protection from them or from their God when she hid them. According to the story, she didn't have a conversation with them about protecting her and her family until after the king's men had gone, gone on a wild goose chase that she sent them on. See, she had sent the king's men away from her door, saying, oh, yes, they were here. They're not here anymore. You know, in fact, I think I saw them go out of the gates of the city toward the Jordan, and if you go quickly, you can catch them. And so they went. And when the king's men were outside of the gates, the gates of the city were were closed. She not only boldly lied to protect God's people, she tricked the king's men. She says, look, if you go now and go quickly, you can probably catch them. She created a sense of urgency for them. She didn't didn't know what was going to happen to her. She didn't know if these truly were good guys, if their God would protect her. She didn't know the ramifications of lying to the king's men and sending them on a wild goose chase. She didn't know. Did she just compromise her entire town? She didn't know. You know, this isn't like when we think of Anne Frank and her family, when they were hidden and protected from those in World War II that sought to hurt them, kill them. See, there they knew they were protecting the Frank family from the bad guys. She didn't have that same assurance. This isn't like when people opened up their homes to those on the Underground Railroad. They knew they were helping human beings find freedom and a new life. They were in danger, but they knew they were working for the greater good. She didn't know that. She didn't know. You see, it's easier to be bold. Not easy. I didn't say easy. Don't send me emails. It's easier to be bold when you know you're working on the side of justice and right. When you're standing for righteousness and freedom, it comes easier to be bold then. She didn't have that assurance. 
She didn't know what would happen. She's not only putting her life in danger at that moment, but she's putting her future, her family's life. She's putting all of it in jeopardy. Why? If she didn't know, why would she do this? She doesn't know what these men can offer her, if they can offer her protection at all, and she doesn't know if they'll keep their word. For goodness sake, what she does know is when these guys show up, weird stuff starts happening. Seas get split. Fire leads them through the night. She knows that when these people of Israel come, that their God shows up and and he shows off and kings are defeated. She said, we've heard about you and your God. There it is. We've heard about you and your God. That's the answer of why she would hide them. The explanation of her actions and the foundation of her boldness, she knows of their God. She knows about God. She knows that their God helped them to walk on dry ground in the middle of the sea. And she knows that their God protected them from the elements of the wilderness that they put themselves in. And she knows that their God provided manna to feed them even when they complained about it. And she knows that their God continued to guide them even as they cried out to go back to the slavery that he had rescued them from. She knows that God loves his people and that God saves his people and that God feeds his people and guides his people and she wants to be one of his people. That's where her boldness comes from. The chance to be one of that God's people. Not from the assurance that she's doing the right thing. She doesn't know. It doesn't come from security and working for the good guys. She does not know. It comes from faith in the one true God, in the sea-splitting, man-ascending, kingdom-busting God. That's our God. That's the God. That's the God we serve today who made dry land appear as an exit ramp. God invites us to love others and speak up for others, even when we're not sure how it's all going to come out. God expects us to do all these things in faith, not faith in ourselves, but not faith in our own abilities, but faith in our God. When Rahab struck her deal with the spies, she wasn't putting her faith in them. She was placing her faith in their God. She said, I know, I know what your Lord, your God has done. Now promise me that you will show kindness to me and my family. But then she says, swear to me by the Lord. She knows that once she invokes the name of God and once she invites him as a witness to this deal, that she's no longer dependent on them to keep their word and to keep her family safe. No, she knows that, that their God is watching his people. She knows that when they are enslaved, he splits the sea. She knows that when they are hungry, he sends the manna. She knows that when they are in danger, that kings fall. She knows because God is involved in every aspect of their lives. 
She says, I want you to swear to me on that God. She's placing her faith in a God she doesn't even know. She's saying, I place my life and my family's life into your God's hands. She's living into a faith that she hasn't even yet claimed as her own, that she doesn't know that she'll ever be able to claim as her own. She has an unexpected testimony, unexpected to us, but not to God. You see, she would become one of God's people, even her. Even her with her past and her history, God would love even her. But more than that, she would be redeemed. She would find redemption because the God who splits the sea and the God who sends the manna and the God who brings kings to their knees was watching her, her. Through the life of this unexpected hero of the faith, change would come. Change like no other. All because she leaned on her faith in a God she didn't truly know or begin to understand. See, that's the boldness in Rahab's story. Not just that she lied to protect them. Not just that she hid them. But she placed her faith in God's willingness to redeem even her her true boldness lies in believing and having faith in a God she barely knew. Her boldness lies in believing that a God who loved his people so much, so much that he would protect them, provide for them, rescue them, feed them even when they complained, guide them when they misbehaved, and cried out to go back to the very slavery that he split the sea to get them out of. He loved them so much that he didn't give up on them, and that's where her boldness lies, in believing in that God and the possibility that she could belong to that God. Because you see, what happens is she marries, and she has a son, and through her lineage, just a few generations would come Jesus. This prostitute, or tavern owner, is in the family tree of our Savior because she had the audacity to believe that God could love her. Her boldness lies there. Are you as bold as she? Do you see yourselves as the label that has been placed upon you? You see, that's why Jesus said, Take my yoke. My yoke is light. Because God doesn't see us the way the world labels us. God doesn't see us as a sum total of our mistakes and our missteps and the times we've cried to go back to the very thing that God saved us from. No, God sees the potential and the fruit that will come of our family if we just have the audacity to believe that God is big enough to love even us. Even me. What if she saw herself as only a tavern owner or a prostitute? What if she said, nothing good can ever come of me? What good can come of Jericho? What good could come from Jerusalem? 
What if she saw herself as only her current circumstance? What if she saw herself only as a resident of a city where the walls would fall? What if she saw herself only as being born on the wrong side of the tracks or the wrong side of the story or on the wrong team with no potential, no future, only a past that can't be outrun? What if she saw herself as simply that? See, Rahab had to look outside of herself. She had to look outside of her own understanding. She had to look to a God she wasn't even sure of. She didn't have a long faith tradition. She never went to Sunday school. She never had confirmation. No one ever taught her how to read and understand the scriptures. She had to look to a God that she didn't know. She didn't know that a Messiah would soon come for all people, and she definitely didn't know that the Messiah would come through her people. She had no clue of what God's whole story was. All she had was a glimpse of a God who loved his people, and she took a bold leap of faith that she could be loved to. What if we didn't have to understand it all? What if we didn't have to understand any of it? What if we waited I love the United Methodist Church. You all know that. We believe the 11th commandment is thou shalt committee. What if we didn't have the whole plan figured out? What if we just had a glimpse of what God was calling us to? What if we just knew that that people like Rahab needed to know our God? They just needed to know how God worked in our life. Nobody came to her and and thumped her and said, you need to give your life to the Lord. What if they just knew of what God has done in our life? David and I were sharing a story at, well, not so much David. If you've hung around us very long, you know I was sharing a story. He was standing there. We were sharing a story of how Uh, I had, I worked in a law firm and had the highest paying job of my career. We had four kids and I came to him and said, I think I'm supposed to go work for a church. And he said, what now? And I said, I think I'm supposed, I saw an ad in the paper. That's when, you know, there were ads in the paper. I said, I saw an ad in the paper for a part-time church administrative assistant. I said, I think I'm supposed to do this. It was a third of the income that I made at the time. That he said, okay, I guess. I said, I really think this is what I'm supposed to do. And that started a journey that would end up inexplicably with me serving as a pastor in your parish. That leap of faith, if you look at it on paper, it should not have worked. If you look at it, if you look at the numbers, I don't know how we did that, but I do. I do know how we did that. There was one day where I called him from the church office and I said, look, we're like $600 shy of our bills for this month and I'm not really sure where, I mean, we're gonna have to start selling blood, I think. And he said, oh, you're kidding. I said, no. That afternoon, we received a a check for $627 that was an overpayment on something we had overpaid. That's how it works. Does it always work like that? 
No, because in our stupidity, we needed 600. We had $27. We probably said, hey, you want to go out to lunch? Right? Sometimes God lets you fall on your face. But we were doing what God instructed us to do. He, God was working on a call that I was working hard to outrun, and so he was making it impossible for me to miss him. And so we put our faith in a God that we weren't 100% sure was going to come through in the clutch. Ever been there? What if, what would we do if we knew we couldn't fail? What would you do if you knew it would work? What would we as a church do if you knew that it couldn't fail? What would we try? What would we do? What would we have our committees work on? You know, you, we talked about this chain last week. You put this chain on my desk with all sorts of hopes and dreams. We want to have our church full. We want people to know the gospel. We want to reach children. We want to reach those who don't know Jesus. Then what did we do? That's, that is where we are today. This chain doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to all of us. And as we head through the summer and we start to dream in this summer of love, we start to dream of what we can do, that others can see how God is moving in our lives. I invite you into that with me. What would we dream if we knew we couldn't fail? Amen? Get out of town. Amen? Thank you. Thank you, church. You're like, man, who got her all fired up? Church, we are blessed with um, 